All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're here at the church. Stephen's with me, Stephen Alls. Good morning. And, uh, good morning, man. And we've got all of our students here from uh, the School of Life. They're in the background. You can't see them, but they're in darkness. <laughs> but we're going to bring them in the light here in just a minute. But uh, I wanted to share something this morning uh, with God stories because we uh, yesterday we had a major God story um, occur while we were uh, doing a session in our school with the students. Basically, it was last night, and uh, it's amazing how. The Lord will uh, allow a wonder to happen to really confirm His word, so that everybody can start believing again. And uh, it really is a lot to do with His kindness, of how much He loves us and how much He wants us to be close to Him and Him close to us. And uh, last night we were talking about uh, how the Lord visits us and how He comes in different forms, and uh, we got to sharing about a. A time where I had had a visitate where he visited me in this church and he came as a homeless man and he had a blue jean jacket on and he had old blue jean shirt I mean blue jean pants and he was basically homeless smelt like the smelt like the road and I just knew it was him well as I'm sharing uh, this story uh, a homeless man comes in to the church and uh, Lisa Twainy and uh, Susan McClendon, uh, my wife, uh, walked out uh, during the session. And uh, basically, this man uh, was looking for maybe somebody to help him out with uh, having some money. And he, he basically asked for $12. And the funny thing about this is that he's asking for $12, and we've got 12 people here. And then... Uh, so Susan came back in uh, while I was doing the session, and she asked me for a 20. Went back out there, and uh, Lisa ended up asking him, you know, why just why just $12? Because I'm sure Lisa was trying to figure out, man, this is kind of strange, uh, $12 of all things, you know, to ask for $12. And basically he said, uh, what was it? He, he was really needed 20 he is that right? Twenty uh, for a place to stay for the night, and he had some money. He was hoping to use his money to buy a sandwich. Okay. Did y'all hear that? Can you hear that on that side? Oh, he basically needed twenty to stay, probably at a halfway house or something like that, and he had an extra eight dollars or so to buy himself a sandwich. And so he was just asking for twelve, but he really needed twenty. And Susan had already taken the twenty-dollar bill out there and and gave it to him. And, of course, Lisa was, uh, they were all kind of nervous. I mean, you're talking about Jesus visiting you as a homeless man, and then a homeless man walks in, asks for $12, you know, and the basically before the guy left, you know, they were saying, he, he said, I'm sorry, this is a little bit strange. And they said, no, we're sorry, we're, we're a little bit strange. And he said, I'm, honestly, I'm just I'm harmless as a uh, bottle of water. Is that right, Lisa? And he ended up leaving after that that was the just of it and after it was all done they came back in and started telling us you know what had happened and it kind of all dawned on us uh what the lord had done last night was he basically uh 
created a scenario to confirm his word last night to get us to believe that we can actually find Jesus in the different forms when he comes in our life. And that just doesn't mean, uh, you know, looking for Jesus, uh, like walking up to a person and thinking it's Jesus and you say, Jesus, is that you? You know, uh, no, he comes all in all types of forms. In other words, we've got to treat everyone just like Lisa and Susan did, uh, treated that homeless man as unto the Lord. And, uh, man, last night was, uh, I think we could have, what, that was enough for the whole year, yeah, basically. Seriously. Yes, yes, I think, um, you know, the downside, where's the downside, right? So, so if you are postured, a lot of what we talked about last night is if your heart is postured towards wanting to see the Lord, then whether that person was the Lord or not, and you were kind to them, is there a downside in doing that? Right. Right, right? Like, sometimes we get a little too caught up in robotic, like, are we supposed to be nice to this person over here? Would the Lord want me to be nice to them? Or would the Lord want me to encourage them by trying to share his heart for them, you know, right, which right. is all that prophetic is, you know, right. we, we, sometimes we think, man, I'll, I'll talk to them if you give me a prophetic word to share with them, right? Right, right, but it's too simple to say, man, maybe the Lord would just want me to be nice to people throughout my day, like, <laughs> you know, like, sometimes we're waiting on these, these miraculous, what we think to be supernatural, mystical things, when the supernatural, truly miraculous is found in the simplicity of just living the way that he lived, mm. and uh, and That's even good. even the guy's name being Michael, uh, you know, thinking about, about uh, you know who is like God when we're talking about having to have the eyes to see that everyone truly is like God in some way, right? So yeah. Yeah. for him to come in and just echo the phrase "Who is like God," it's a rhetorical question that allows us to really debrief and go deeper, going, you know what? There is an, there's a facet, there's an attribute, there's something that if I'm not seeing it in that person, then I just need to look longer. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if you start to capture that essence of, man, who is like God, you know, our first response mentally is, well, nobody is, you know. You know, he's different, he's, he's powerful, he's limitless, he's all of these things, but he still chose to hide some part of himself in everybody. And, and it gives us that... Um, <laughs> that hide-and-seek kind of excitement or hopefulness that man if we can if we can pick out where it is you know they they were able to find it uh, because he came in in such a like-for-like uh, -like way even from the way he was being described that night you know and it was like it was like a good beginner on-ramp um, confirmation if you will right. of hey I'm gonna make it easy for you at the beginning so that I can build a resume of trust with you and get you excited about it and then I can begin to ratchet it up and start to hide myself in different ways and be so excited and you waiting go search for, you for him. To find. Yeah. I mean that's you know, when Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out, then that really you start to understand how much uh, joy he gets out of the the process. Yeah. The the ability to I know I'm growing in intimacy, I know I'm growing in friendship and relationship with this human being, and now I'm going to take them to the next level and show them a different way and see if they're willing to try to come look for me in that that sense or that arena. Mm. 
I mean, can you imagine? I mean, what we were talking about is, you know, treating everybody as the Lord. Because, mm-hmm. you know, man was created in God's image. I mean, you can understand now why man, whether they be a believer or a non-believer, they're still in God's image. So you can understand why the, the enemy is always bombarding man is because, you know, the enemy, every time he has to look at man, he has to look at the image of the Lord. Uh, absolutely. This is going to sound really, really tough, but, uh, you know, I went through that deconstruction period of all of these phrases that I wasn't allowed to use anymore, right? You remember, and I've talked, you know, you guys maybe even remember some of the stories, but one of those phrases was, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? right? Now, on the surface, that sounds really good, right? Because it's, you're being taught to hold your tongue, don't say something bad, all of that kind of stuff, right? Right. But if you're starting to operate on his level, then you'll always have something Some nice good. to say, right? So, so it, it sounds good from a natural, physical, uh, basically sin management technique. <laughs> that, right. that I'm gonna, uh, if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm gonna grip my teeth and think it, but never let it actually come out of my mouth, yeah. right? That's, your mouth and, will be right. Saying. And so, if you're thinking it, trust me, they're getting it the same way as if you were saying it, right? And so the, the, the invitation is to be able to go, you know what? I don't see anything nice right now. I need you to show me how you see it. Mm-hmm. And you begin to then go, okay, I'm going to set that aside. And it doesn't matter if 25 negative things come. You just keep setting them aside and flushing all of that stuff out because it's not them. It's you. Right. I mean, it. That we know that we all have issues, right? But if we can only see their issues, then that is the more important issue. Yeah. That's 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 why the Lord is bringing that mirror to us to reflect. Hey, I'm going to bring you someone that really pushes your buttons, and it's not so that you can fix their buttons. <laughs> yeah. And to lose yours. Right. <laughs> and man, I yeah, I used to think when man, why do you keep sending me this type of person? Right. I don't know if you guys have ever been through seasons of you just keep getting bombarded with the same type of person and you're so frustrated by it. Lord, why do you keep sending me these types of people? And he's like, because you have that same thing. Right. And you're like, all right. So if I ever want to stop having all of these people come around, then. I need to get delivered of this. <laughs> and they are your deliverance. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> but it would it takes a discipline to go, all right, instead of going through my filter, I'm going to continue the exercise or the discipline of laying aside however many thoughts it takes to get to the one that reflects how he feels and then speak to that thing. I'm going to read this scripture because we were, we were quoting it several times, uh, you know, last night um, because we were talking about being able to see the Lord and, and mankind. And it is in, it's in Matthew 25. I'm just going to read a part of it where uh, in verse 37. This is when he comes to divide the sheep from the goats. And uh, he's talking to the righteous. And he says then... Uh, he says this to them, I think, let's see, 30, 34 maybe, yeah. And it says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, 
and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger last night, mm -hmm. and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So if you looked at mankind, of course, later, later on, they say, then the right says, Lord, when did we see you hunger when, when, and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink when we do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you and the king will answer and say to them surely I say to you inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these and he's pointing at mankind he's pointing at people uh, and it says uh, the least of these my brethren mm -hmm. so he still is considering People that are in prison are his brethren. People that are naked are his brethren. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people that are thirsty are his brethren. People that are strangers are his, still his brethren. So we've got to look at mankind a little bit differently. Differently, We've got to look at mankind as literally the visitation of the Lord. And can you imagine if we treated mankind as we did the Lord? I mean, if you saw the Lord, you know, in prison, I mean, what would you do to get him out? Would you look at him and say, well, you just deserve that? You know, you just deserve it. I just can't believe you're in prison. Well, you just have to get, you know, you made your bed and, you know, you got to sleep in it, you know. Or if you saw someone naked and naked, you know, or several things, you know, totally exposed, major sin in their life. If you saw the Lord with major sin in his life, would you look at the Lord and go, well, you're just going to have to get over it. You know, uh, we're going to have to set you down for the next two years and uh, really scold you and, and you're going to have to go through all this major process. It's not the process and all that stuff you do. Would you would you have the attitude toward him if, if you really knew it was the Lord? And I think that's the thing that God's trying to change in us is that we not only got to change our attitude how we see mankind, but we've got to change the way we treat the Lord in mankind. And uh, this is a big one. I mean, if you can, if we can get this, I mean, uh, I have seen the Lord once uh, in the revelational way, uh, being in prison in a man, and it was a man that was demonized. You know, he had demons in him, and I saw the Lord in prison. And when I saw the Lord in prison, I saw the Lord. I didn't see the man and how bad he was and how twisted he was. I saw the Lord in prison and it awakened a love for this man which actually set him free. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's... Man, I felt the Lord yeah, coming here. It's fascinating how it just... I mean, you'll do anything. It You'll go from, I don't want to deal with this at all, to... I'll do anything you want me to do like that. <laughs> yeah, <that's> the... <laughs> it doesn't it takes one little glimpse and I I mean that's that's the crazy aspect of, of walking with the Lord is is it doesn't take it shows you that deep inside you know what your real nature is because it doesn't take much in the moment when he pulls back the veil or he just gives you a peek or a glimpse of something, it all of a sudden locks you into it. Right. You know, you can be floundering and you can be struggling and you can feel like you're beating your head against the wall for years and feel like, man, I haven't I haven't seen anything from the Lord, I haven't experienced the Lord this way, but 
in one second, it's like all of that gets washed away, and you're like, I knew I was always there with them, right? Because, because all of a sudden, every all the toil, all the work, all the effort, everything is worth it. Right. As soon as you get one moment of understanding of where you are and where he is and how you're working together. That's good. But, I mean, you know, you could take... You could take any one of those aspects and break them apart for hours, probably. But I've been reading in Genesis uh, again recently, and uh, the whole, you know, when I was naked, you clothed me thing, to me, lines up with Noah and his two sons. Uh, totally. That you know, he's he has he has gotten himself in a mess. You know, he's he he created a vineyard and then he decided, man, I really like my own wine that I've created out well, of this. He's partying because right? he made it. Right, right. He's like, I mean, he's like, I celebrated, I made a vineyard, the wine tastes good, you know, and so, and and so you see the reaction of uh, a fleshly response and then a supernatural, godly response, even in his own sons, and and I think for us, it's a it's a challenge or an inspiration to us to say, uh, you know, we can announce what's wrong with someone, which takes no discernment at all. Right. You know, we we call it discernment. When we announce the obvious things that not only do they know about themselves, but they already feel like they have a neon sign over their head saying all the bad stuff that's going on with them, you know. And the right. last thing that they need is a ham to come in and go, hey guys, he's naked. Right. Right. But you see uh, Shem and Japheth go, oh man, and the honor of to take a robe and to turn away and just the most humble possible um most honoring way that they could cover a bad situation was they were going to back their way into it, not for them, but for him. Right. The, the lasting impact of uh, minimizing the, the trauma or the damage for the person that you're trying to cover, they did it in the most honoring, gentle, loving way that they could possibly do mm-hmm. it. And, and so when I see, when I'm naked, you clothe me, I don't it's so far beyond physical clothes and it's so far beyond it is man how do we honor and cover somebody in a way that allows them to bounce <coughs> back much more quickly than if they just get run through the ringer and heralded as a bad person totally that's good that's good scripture too yeah. I was going to give us also Mark 2 um, because you know the, like I, I've told us uh, the, the, in the school, we've, I've, I've, we're trying to teach that Jesus, everything Jesus said, he was already doing. And a lot of people that were following him, they would say, "Hey, that's true." You know, because he's what he's saying is true because we've been watching him do it. And of course, so you see Jesus quoting this, these, these statements in Matthew twenty-five. These are things that he did also on the earth. All right. That he treated the uh, mankind as his own. In other words, they were sons and literal daughters of God. Whether they were paralyzed or whether they were demonized, he had that attitude as treating them as his own because he actually knew that they were his own. So can you imagine if you really treated each other as that's really your sister it's not theory it's really you all come from the same dna i mean you treat each other a little bit differently when you know your family sometimes it's bad on the earth uh, you get weird things going on in family but uh we'll keep going uh but i want to i want you to just turn over to uh, mark 2 
and I want you to see this because this is this confirms how or what Jesus said. You know, the least you do it to, to these, you do it to me. He's doing that right here, all right, because he literally considers man as the image of God. It doesn't matter how twisted they are, and we'll see that here. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house, and immediately many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now, can you imagine being a paralytic and you've broken God's roof and you've made a mess in this house and then they're letting you down? You're all twisted and mauled. You, you know, you, the mentality of, of shame coming down and the mentality that you've been warring pretty much all of your life of how you look. You know, there's got to be something wrong with me. Uh, what what kind of door did I open up to make this happen to me? You know, I wonder if my parents, you know, uh, had some kind of iniquity that was passed down. I mean, you can imagine the torment that went, that was going through this paralytic man. And this is one that this is where it heals him. It says, and then Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, "Son." That goes back to Matthew 25. He wasn't talking about just a son, mm -hmm. a personal son. That was a son of God. And so when he sees this paralytic man that's all twisted up, just by him saying it with and actually meaning it, there's a difference in going, mm -hmm. son of, oh, son, you know, and you try to be very in kicking the ministry mode. They don't even listen to you. Nobody listens to you. Oh, daughter of God, the Lord says, you know, that is, okay, so that's, uh, it doesn't work. And, uh, but if you see, like Jesus is seeing, he sees, and it capitalized, you, you realize it's capitalized, son. It's a son of God. And so when Jesus sees this son of God coming down uh, out of his roof, he says, your sins are forgiven you. And and I asked the Lord, you know, when he's saying this and he says, your sins are forgiven you, I used to go down that trail of, you know, uh, what did he do? What kind of sins were in his life? And uh, what kind of door was, you know, did he open? That type of thing, you know, something, some kind of sin, you know. But the sin was how he was thinking about himself. Yeah, you got to get that because the way you think about yourself makes you start getting twisted up, mm -hmm. and then it and then it changed the molecular structure not only of your brain but it also starts mingling and, and mangling your body of how you think and, and, and of the way that you think. And so he's not talking about sins of as what we would say of what he's done wrong. What has happened is he's gotten into a mentality. Because you can see that he's saying, hey, you're still a son, but you've just been thinking wrong. Are you with me? So this was Jesus that was in prison. And God is now visiting him. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I tried that one. 
when when we you know when it says you know you I was in prison and you visited me I tried this one years ago I thought you know I'm really going to go visit some prisoners uh, and I, I really want to love on them I, I, I it's not I didn't want to do it out of ministry I wanted to really just go and sit and just listen to them and just be there for them Man, I'm gonna tell you what it rocked. My, it rocked my world because I, when I went to go visit prisoners, not to be a minister and just to sit and listen to their life, it changed them because I was there because I cared for them, not because I was ministering to them. Mm-hmm. So good. And see, this man named Jesus is actually seeing a son, and he's got that same attitude. So you can imagine. When he says, son, your sins are forgiven you, this young man is actually getting what he's saying. And so the process of the mentality starts changing. He starts realizing, wow, I, I'm a son. I'm not rejected. I'm not naked. I'm not ashamed. Why have I been thinking this way? I don't have to think this way anymore. And so the process already starts the body starts untwisting itself because the head is now becoming healed because it's the head's sick what the whole body's sick right and and somehow at the same time he says the one thing that can draw all of the attention off of the guy who doesn't want the attention on him Exactly. Because he says the one thing, there's two manifestation buttons that the Pharisees would always get really upset about. One of them was forgiving sins and the other was healing on the Sabbath, right? Right. And so he says one of the only statements that not only will start the process of unlocking the paralytic, but it also takes all of the attention off of him while that transformation is taking place. Mm -hmm. Because now everybody goes... What in the world is this guy talking about? He can't do this stuff. And so they forget. Everybody in the room forgets about what's going on over here right. with the guy. He's starting the, to get healed. Right, while the process is going on, it's like this It's like this diversion that everybody takes their focus, it presses their buttons, and they have the opportunity to get delivered and healed of their sins while this guy is now finally not in the spotlight, right? Because that was the last thing that he wanted was to be the show and tell right. object lesson for everybody else for healing right <laughs> right i mean and so we talked about that last night so he the the he's covering him even while while sending his word and allowing it to start to go in and and uh change him even at this at the molecular level he's also covering him by taking all of the deflection and the tension in the room and taking it on himself and covered it. Yeah, which which is amazing. He, in one sentence, he can both uh, give everything and impart everything that this guy needs through the look, through the posturing, through not only what was heard, but what he was feeling. And then he also allows him to be able to kind of marinate in it and begin that process without everyone focusing on him going is he changing yet is he changing yet you know all of a sudden now they're angry and so they don't even think what's going on with this guy they just want to kill jesus now and and he takes it all on so that this guy can get what he needs and then by the time they turn their attention back it's over and then jesus's attitude even though they're you know going 
you know, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins? Immediately perceived, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. He turns to them, and the thing about it is, we think that he's turning to them and being pompous, you know, kind of like we do. You know, if you see the enemy, you have to. You ever see the enemy and you try to get really strong? It's like you think your attitude's going to scare the enemy. I mean, I've never understood that. I'll never forget when I told them to stop screaming at demons in Africa. They, they just freaked them out. Yes. And uh, but he, his attitude is gentle, as as it was with the paralytic. And so Jesus humbles himself to their level. So he starts agreeing with these enemies. Jesus said that. He starts agreeing with his enemies, and he says, "Why do you reason about these things in your heart?" Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, walk. But that you may know, and this is what, basically what Jesus did for us last night, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. He basically said, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll just say, arise and take up your bed and walk and go to your house. So Jesus did what his enemies basically wanted him to do so that they could see God. Right. And then it says, and then, the, of course, the guy gets up. <laughs> the guy's already ready, right. you know. And, and, and the guy gets up, and it says, immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. Now watch this. So that all were amazed and glorified God. Didn't say just a few. All of them basically got saved from their mentalities. Now, you talk about a awesome time. I don't know about you, but I, I would kick, if I was kicked in the ministry mode, I would have healed the paralytic and then looked at the religious and read their mail and said, y'all got a religious spirit. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, doubting, you're doubting what's happening to the, uh, tonight or today. And you're here to actually, you know, enter in with God and Christ Jesus, and you're not doing it. And so your father is the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have shut the whole thing down. Yeah. I saw what you did behind the synagogue last night. And yeah. all, all, all stuff. But the Bible says that God wishes all men to be saved. So that means your attitude has to change. You can't just say, man, the sick got to be healed and the religious people can all go to hell. <laughs> no, you've got to have as much compassion for the sick people as, as you do with the folks that are religious, hard, and, you know, are always on your tail and criticizing you. you got to have that same type of power. And that is, I'm going to tell you what, we have been trained by the knowledge of good and evil, so we always lean toward, you know, the good stuff, but we never thought that we could actually love our enemies as well. And if you start doing that, then the, the, the power of God, what we call the apostolic power, starts actually flowing. The fullness of God's power starts flowing because you're allowing a person named love to start controlling your life. Then you can see a lot of the stuff that God puts you in these situations, you can see the whole situation get saved, which I'd love for that to happen. Because I, I, I don't know about you, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't quite gotten there, 
because I can preach, you know, in a conference, and uh, or you're you're or you're speaking in a room with a bunch of people. You can discern who's liking you. You can discern who's open and not. And then it's strange. You always lean toward the ones that are listening, and they're all hungry. You go, yeah, those that group over here was hungry. Well, what about the folks that are starving that are your enemies? The ones that are really hungry are getting it. That's easy. But the ones over here that are, you know, like, I don't know about anything. You know, they're the ones that are actually starving. Mm -hmm. And I've put my attention on the ones that are hungry and, you know, throw all my energy at that. And, and, and then I, I leave these folks out. But Jesus didn't do that. No, it was the opposite. Totally opposite. I mean, but that, the only way for him. So he... He had to continually trick the Pharisees to get them to come around, right? So, so he tells them things that answer their questions, but he doesn't, they don't understand it. They think that it actually lets them off the hook, but it keeps them around. Right. right. So, so he goes and he starts having dinner with sinners and tax collectors, right? Right. But the Pharisees are always there too, right? And the Pharisees go, how come you have dinners with these bad people? <laughs> Right, and he gives a response that, on the beginning level, seems like he's giving them like a stamp of approval, because he's they go, man, why do you keep having dinner with these sinners and tax collectors? And he goes, it's not the well who need a physician, but the sick, right? And they're probably going, phew, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Except that they're always around at those same dinners. Right, so he's they trying. Realize to, sick. He's trying to tell them, "I'm just trying to hang around the sick people, guys, and you're always with me too." Like <laughs> this is just, and the easiest way to continue to get you to come close is to do these things. So I'm not only loving the people that you're unwilling to love, I'm loving you because me doing this irritates you to the point you're willing to stay around. <laughs> right? right there there was there was going to be no way to debate them into it there would be no way to tear apart the uh you know the writings of moses and go through the scriptures and tell them how he's fulfilled everything it was not going to be in engaging them on the level that they felt like they were the expert <clears throat> in mm. it was going to be always for them to even get healed, he had to shift them out of things that made sense. And so yeah. he was always, man, I'm going to go hang out with these guys because I love them. And a byproduct is all the people that I love that I can't find a way to open up will continue to open up because it's going to irritate them so bad. And then I'm going to tell them that I'm here for them because I'm here to save the sick people. And they're not going to get it until later. Yeah. And it didn't matter. He didn't feel the need to explain himself. That was that was the 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 hardest part. Still, I think, is to be able to speak cryptically, or to be able to give out a message and know some of the people are capturing it right now. Like you mentioned, the people that are with you, some of the people are neutral, and and you hope that something goes in. <laughs> you know, it's it's all the different types of soil, right? Mm -hmm. And and then there's the people that. I actually, the people that are against it the most are the ones that I'm like, man, I wish I can follow up with those guys two or three years from now. Because it's depositing in, 
being mm. that's why that's why he said he would rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm, right? Because if you're hot, you're still open, and if you're cold, you're still open because you if you're trying to disprove something, you are open to it. Does that make sense? Because you're 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 digesting it, you're dissecting you're it. Listening. Imagine the amount of time yeah. that they spent trying to disprove it. Right? Someone who's trying to disprove a theory knows that theory better than people that just accept it because somebody else told it to them. Right? So all of it is going in and then sometime in the future the spirit strikes the match on it and it goes and comes alive. Right? So if you if you understand that, then you realize how excited Jesus was when people would be so vehemently trying to disprove him because they were open to what he was saying. Mm, that's good. I'll, I'll give you this life scripture, uh, guys. Uh, in uh, Luke 6, this is red letters. <coughs> and this is Jesus talking. And, of course, you can, going back to remembering, a lot of people that were following were listening to this, and I'm sure it just sent out waves. But it says, but love your enemies, verse 35, Luke 6, verse 35, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Now, he's actually, you do realize he's testifying of himself without testifying. All right? This is Papa basically saying it through Jesus going, guys, you better listen because I've given you the blueprint right here. He's standing right here. He's been doing it in front of you this whole time. So you better listen. And then he says, for he is kind, and this is what you're, he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Mm -hmm. Man, that makes me want to grow a horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut that section right out. I'm going to tell you, he could have not just said anything <coughs> after that. I'd like to erase that one. Yep. Because your flesh is like, my gosh, I cannot be good over here and evil over here. <coughs> you know, and that, and he was. That's the way he was. He was that way. And, you, and there's several. You, and I encourage you to look it up, to watch this thing, because you not only see the person Jesus being like this in physical form, but this is how the Holy Ghost is. Mm -hmm. This is the Spirit of God. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. He just happened to come in physical form to show himself to, of what the real true Spirit of God's like. And then it says, therefore, be merciful just as your Father is merciful, which is that's basically what Jesus summed up in, in Mark 2. So I hope this helps. Uh I know it's the more what we talk. I mean, the more we talk about it, and the more I uh, end up, you know, grinding this thing out even more. The more it shows me how much I've got to change. Mm -hmm. Boy, I've got to change. And uh, but it's all done by the Spirit. Right. The more you behold this, the more you behold Him. It's not by you trying to do twelve steps to get to love. It's by you searching for Jesus and finding the secrets of his heart and his nature of how he really walked the earth, how he really treated people. And when you really see Jesus for who he is, it awakens in you and it changes you without your help. I'm telling you, it does. It's, it's like, I mean, if we've all, me and Stephen's been around 
together for I don't know how many years now but being around somebody you take a little bit on their mannerisms because you've just been around them well we didn't get delivered so that we could be you know have the mannerisms I mean it just it takes effect anything we behold we start being transformed and we become like them so you can imagine if we start looking and searching for this wonderful man named Jesus how it would deliver you without having to go through what you call deliverance and you would find yourself shining brighter and brighter until the new day and man that's what Jesus wants us to do he wants us in this place to where we are out of our minds with not judging good and evil but actually judging evil by actually being good on the earth and uh, we're gonna get there so guys I'm I hope this helps today uh, I know it's helped me uh, probably helped you too it probably helped some of these folks in here that we've been with this morning and uh, we're about to go into our next session at 10 o'clock so uh, and if you still want to you know if you want to connect with us if you want to be on these things you can still sign up on uh, the online program if you want to if you don't that'd be fine as well <laughs> we'll be nice to you either way. Yeah. We'll be nice to you. Too. <laughs> so, Lord, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you, Holy Ghost, help us. We just pray for everybody watching. Uh, Holy Ghost, we just ask that you continue to transform all of us. Yes. Keep moving our faces and our, and our eyes toward Jesus. Put your hands on our cheek and just turn it to start looking at Jesus. Lord, we ask that. Spirit of God, thank you for being in our life. You are so excited to share Jesus. You want to show him so bad because you love him so much. And he changes the world. And Lord, I ask that you'd help all of us to stop getting addicted to steps, but getting addicted to a person. Help us to get out of this behavioral change attitude and just start following a man. Lord, we love you. Thank you for helping us this morning and help you. Thank you for helping everybody that's watching. And well, we just bless everybody that's watching. Everybody that signed up. We just ask that you bless them today. Invade them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. We love you. Grace, grace. <laughs>